Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Help Me Be Me. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Bates. I'm a writer, director, mom, and a breakup coach with an MAMFT. And this podcast is kind of like a personal relationship in that I talk to you like you're my friend. I provide tools to help you feel more grounded, empowered, inspired, and most of all, help you see yourself. This is aimed at creating more harmony and happiness in the relationship you have with you so you can better guide your life and also be better to those you love. Take what helps and leave the rest. This is not a diagnosis for treatment. If you're really struggling, call your local emergency services. Hi, everybody. It's Sarah. And here is an episode I'm calling Do No Harm, Ethical Living in Marriage. And it's really for any kind of relationship that's long-term, a committed relationship. I'm not like saying that's the right way to be at all. This is just the topic that it happens to be about. But it's really for how to humanely deal with the issues and the pain uh, and the negotiation of self and needs and priorities and what other people's priorities are throughout an intimate relationship that happens to occur over a very long period of time. So don't feel like weird if this is not where you are. I'm not saying you should be here. Just this is what I'm talking about today. And I think when you're in a long-term relationship or partnership, many issues that come up really don't have solutions. And that is because they result from being very different people with different needs, different styles of communication, different upbringings, different love maps, different projections. And so the goal is really to become humane in how we deal with that fact, including in how the other person feels in receiving that so like it's it's always an exchange it's always this kind of loop and so the way we relate to the other person as they receive us is also where a lot of pain and issues can come up and how we both can together reach a place of moving through phases without doing unnecessary harm to the other person and by that I mean like I think a lot of the language of couples therapy or relationships in general is like if they're not doing blank you should move on if this other person doesn't respect blank you have a bad relationship and it's it's oversimplifying kind of the the really complex interactions that are happening in relationships and making it into one person being bad and one person being good which oftentimes it's not about that it's more just like misfirings 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 based on like being totally different people. 
Another way to think about this episode is really just it's about moving through the adult stages of commitment after what I call the idealization phase has weared off, has worn off, has weared it off, which I would say is like 1.5 years-ish into a relationship. And I this is really about like more long, much longer relationships, but it could be occurring for you earlier than that. Um, and this is kind of when both people start to negotiate the life stages that they are actually moving through as an individual, but it affects their relationship because it's like the relationship is like a mirror and it's also a mirror that really reflects back all of our earliest, most foundational kind of um, reliances on another person and and how we receive love and how we learn to love and how we negotiate vulnerability. So to start this episode off, I will say there are many phases or moons to a long-term partnership. And we are traveling through this human existence as just individual people. And we are negotiating and dealing with the pain that comes from just figuring out our identity in contrast to all of the things we move through. And so a lot of what happens as we do that is we, our ego experiences wounds, And as those ego wounds occur, we kind of have this chain reaction that starts in our relationship. And that can start to feel like make us feel powerless, make us feel overwhelmed, make us feel like this other person doesn't love us enough or doesn't love us the right way or should be doing something differently. And all of that stuff is very hard. It's very challenging. It's confusing. It's emotionally uh, oftentimes very triggering. And I think the best thing we can do and kind of what the, the kernel of this episode is about is about coming from always trying to come from a place of love and respect for ourselves and for others. In other words, to do no harm. Just that. And I think if we have that simple goal, it changes how we think about problems and how we sum up what problems are. So the key to this episode, as you listen, I just want you, I want to invite you to see your experience of your relationship as malleable. And I think I I want that to be your goal because oftentimes I think we feel like we are prisoners inside of our own body and that that body will have to experience things a certain way. And so by that, I mean like we'll go through responses in our relationship where we feel intense pain or anger or we are overcome with resent or something that feels like we cannot stop feeling that thing. And oftentimes it's like, oh, I'm never going to stop feeling this thing. That definition in our mind, even though it's so powerful, it can overtake your entire self. That too is malleable. If we just, I just want us to begin to see it that way. And to be clear, I'm not saying like talk yourself into abuse. Talk yourself into tolerating something that's terrible for you. Not about that at all. It's more about just like whatever old wounds or longings or needs from family of origin that tend to come up so strongly in our body that we feel like this other person has to do this thing. Otherwise, I can't go on. Those responses also change and they can change. They are malleable. So if you take nothing more from this episode, it is that just to see this, all of ourselves as malleable. 
And also, come from love. Always ask yourself, am I coming from love? Or do I need to take a step back to collect myself and process? Is this, am I creating something that is loving? Or am I creating something that is harming? That's just the simplest goal I have in mind. And with that, there are three parts in this episode. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. First part, the what. So the what is, I already kind of said it, the midsection of a partnership, a relationship, the it's not new stage past, you know, when when you've see, seen warts and all. And just that in itself, this idea of a super long-term relationship, it's kind of a weird concept, right? It's a strange experiment in that you are now just existing with two halves of a thing, of an entity, two totally different people, totally different kinds of people. And those two people have to do a lot of processing um, in this midsection where they have to kind of come to terms with and accept the truth of the other person. And it's kind of like a mini death, like to, to truly see who they are, including who they are not. And in addition to this, we are going through our own growth and change and negotiating what it is we want for ourselves. And a lot of the time that, that takes a major shift. And what we thought was important is no longer important. And now we're heading towards something new or we're, we're dealing with our own personal feelings of vulnerability and failure and what we thought we were or who we think we should be. So all of that creates just such, you know, there's going to be so much pushing and pulling and conflict just because of those things. And then there's also this layer of the expectations we have based on our love map and our upbringing, the expectations we have of who the other person should be and how they should love. And those expectations are constantly projected upon this other person. And that's based on just our values that we grew up with and also our parenting style, like whoever parented us and how they showed love or what we lacked in that, in that experience. And so a large part of the fight loops and conflicts that come up for couples are related to that discrepancy between those two love maps and also just that love tank being empty. And that comes down to like, are the the bids for love and the positive um, gestures of love that fill the tank, the little coins, are they even landing? Are they even being received? Oftentimes, if those love maps are so different and the language is so different, we're not even receiving the love that is being exchanged. And therefore, the divide gets greater and greater and greater. And the unmet needs make more and more pulling for both people. Like, why don't you love me enough? Why are you so mean to me? Why aren't you nice to me? Like that type of pulling state usually is a sign that like the positive bids have not been either A, received or B, accepted. And that often happens because of latent anger or people are not conscious of why it is they're angry and they are and so it's like being some it's something that's manifesting without uh enough of a an ability to communicate it because that person doesn't even know why they're doing it in the first place so how what happens when we start we, we lose the glue of love via this lack of connection it's like things become kind of um, threadbare and the reactions 
and the defensiveness just gets heightened and heightened and heightened. So one thing I wanted to call out is I think a lot of fights are simply about, but you didn't validate my pain. You just told me about your pain. Didn't you even hear my pain? Did you hear me? You just told me about your pain. So that's when both people are like, hey, but see me. Hey, what about me though? What about me? That is just in in short, both people having unmet needs over the result of time of the lack of the glue being contributed or received. And I think in most situations, we are asking the other person to change the way they behave so that we can get our needs met. Specifically, we're saying the way you think and behave is incorrect and intolerable to me. Can you please do it the right way, aka my way? And I think when both people are saying that, it's not that either person is wrong. It's that both people are completely right based on all of their experiences. But those sets of experiences are in opposition. I think there's also this knee-jerk instinct to defend oneself if the other person is not schooled in the language of Imago. And for those people who are not familiar, Imago I would call like the most neutral way of communicating. And it's kind of like really defining the difference between your own feelings and somebody else's feelings. So when you do blank, I feel blank. And that is like a very um, non-offensive way to communicate because you're saying like, when you do this action that is totally not intentionally hurtful, it triggers this feeling in my body. So it's like a more like, I guess, clinical way to describe a process, which I think is natural to a lot of people who have gone to therapy and couples therapy, but it's not natural or something that is appealing or positive to a lot of people who are culturally opposite therapy as like a a mindset, I guess. So in in some cases, it can feel like almost anti-loving to communicate in this way because it's, it's contrived or it's forced or it's not colloquial, if that makes sense. So net net. I would say there isn't a correct way of communicating when it comes to these types of relationship issues because either, let's say we were to define the correct way. Nobody's going to win if I say like this imago is correct. Nobody's going to win if that becomes true. It just means like certain people will be like, all right, I guess we got to separate now because that guy's wrong and this person's right, you know? So there's no, there's no correct way of communicating, but... It is about stepping back from our need to correct another person's language and instead focus on intent. And major, major caveat here, (laughs) intent, this is totally opposite all that I preach when it comes to codependency and staying out of the minds of others. Because codependency and being a mind reader and really like being like, I think they mean blank and blah, blah, blah. That is an instant way to get lost and an instant way to think we are experiencing reality when we are not. So in this case, I am saying we do have to focus on intent. And I'm only saying it in this circumstance because it is, uh, I think if you're in a safe relationship with a person who is not 
let's say destroying you with like dysfunctional behavior or manipulating you or gaslighting you like if you know that this is a safe relationship and you just have very different communication styles we do know their intent at to a certain degree at a certain point in life like you could you get to know people wellish enough that you can see is the motive positive or is it negative and so if you're both struggling with the same loop of fights and the same miscommunications. I think this is one circumstance when it is really helpful to step back from the language and focus on intent and really discern is the other person trying everything they can to be kind, loving, mature, um, responsible in this conversation, in this situation. And everything is done with a sense of balance. So like if you are a codependent person or a person who has codependent tendencies like myself and you notice yourself getting like tipped off balance by this focusing on intent thing, that's a sign we got to step back and do some work on codependency. I have, for whatever it's worth, two settings. One is pretending that nothing is wrong and the other is aggressively helping like nonstop solving a problem. And so a lot of the work I do constantly in my life is finding balance. And another thing I am also working on in my life is seeing the, the moods and the intense feelings of, I've got to fix something. There are, it's like a cloud that takes over my body. I have to fix something big and painful. I have to see this as not necessarily accurate. I have to see it as not necessarily true and something that I need to find a source for. Um, Context for that. I had a, so I think a lot of us have like problems that we work through in our teenage years or in our 20s. And then we do a lot of work on those problems. And then when we find solves for those problems, especially if we've had trauma, we We hold tight to those and we say like, I will never stop doing this thing. I will never stop protecting myself. Dot, dot, dot. When you are in a quote, safe and functioning relationship later in your life, we can renegotiate all of those settings, all of those habits, all of those things that kept us safe and find a a new balance and a new relationship to them. An example of this, I had an eating disorder throughout high school and college, like over, I think it was like 17 years. It was, in, it was the hardest thing I've ever done to overcome that. Harder than drugs was overcoming the eating disorder. And the eating disorder at its core is this metaphor of like, we're stuffing emotions, we're stuffing feelings. And I didn't cry ever as a kid. I didn't cry until I was like in high school. And I, that that repression was because I didn't, feel safe with my feelings. I didn't feel safe with vulnerability. Now that I have healed that aspect as an adult, I've done all that work and now I can really accept all feelings, all vulnerability. I have the inverse instinct, which is like, I can't possibly deny a feeling. I have to voice it. It is so valid. It's got to come out. So that's a new thing that I am now negotiating of like, maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be that dire now. So that's something that happens, I think, in this midsection of life as we start to like work on the things we already worked on and find a new relationship to all that has defined us in the past. So I want to invite you to do that as well and just see 
your, quote, immovable states as a layer we can step back from and just examine and question. Not that you have to change it and not that you have to do anything, just step back from it and notice it as an object in the room. Especially if we are becoming very black and white about something in our relationship. Like, they are wrong. I am right. They have to change to be like me or else. So if that that black and white thinking starts to come up, all I'm asking you to do is just step back and see your thinking as this, oh, wow, I'm getting black and white about this. Interesting. Because I think that is when loops recur in relationships. And that is also when we lose sight of love. We lose sight of our own ability to be loving. And also we lose sight of the other person's intent to be loving. And that loop, it's just all it's happening is like we're unable to connect. And instead, it's like everything is just being miscommunicated. And there's this increase of unmet needs on both sides. And when that loop has recurred for a really long period of time, it creates what I would call like this United Nations of relationship distance. Like we keep the space to keep the peace. And on an unspoken emotional level, we are both in a fear state of like, I don't want to go back in the fight again. I'm just going to stay far away. And therefore, no bids, positive bids for love. No cup filling is happening. It's just like we're staying on opposite sides so we don't get in that same loop again. So if any of that resonates, I am going to go into a really, really, really short why and then some tools um, that will inspire the initiation of uh, some hopefully new responses, you know? I think a lot of this stage of life, and if you are in this midsection of a relationship, I think it's about, for the first time, learning to see and accept somebody as they truly are, not as you think they should be, and and really like deciding, am I okay with that? Like it's it's its own weird stage of loss and processing and mourning, but it leads to a greater or I would call a more mature form of unconditional love. Which brings me to part three, the why. Part two, the why. Part two, the why. I've already said a lot of this. It's super short, but we are mapped differently. And that is because we have grown up in very different life experiences. And we move through changes in our life over a long period of time. So it is inevitable, inevitable that we will come to situations where people's needs and ways they need to be loved do not align and I think that is not something that is like impossible to overcome I think it just requires as I said acceptance moving through stages of realization and intentional conscious change on both sides so with that here's part three the how the tools But first, a brief word from our sponsors. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. When you're a parent, we have to have lots of big talks with our kids. And I think one of the most important big talks to have is about money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and money app. It's made for families. You can send your kids 
instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of their spending. You can manage chores, customize it to your needs. And this is just like a new way. It's the modern way to connect them with their allowance. You can reward your kids when they do a good job at something. I remember as a kid, I would have to like think of a chore to do in order to get money from my parents. And I think if it was something that was already organized and set up and like modernized in this way, it would have been a lot more motivating for me as a kid, Um, especially, you know, when it comes to making sure homework is done on time or all of my stuff is picked up, all of that stuff. And this is also a great way to help your kids build financial literacy and independence. And more than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash helpmebeme. That's greenlight.com slash helpmebeme to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash helpmebeme. Privacy is an important aspect of getting help for yourself and doing it on your own terms. So one way to do that when it comes to your mental health is ZocDoc. ZocDoc has therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, their verified patient reviews. You can make sure they check all of your boxes. And with ZocDoc, you have more options. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. I'm a huge fan of therapy. I talk about it all the time because I love it and I think it changes lives. It changed my life. If I was going back to therapy, I would be using ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash helpmebeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash helpmebeme. ZocDoc.com slash helpmebeme. All right, the first tool I'm calling the acceptance frame. I know I kind of said this already, but there's this stage of acceptance that must take place that will kind of, it'll feel confrontational. It'll feel like this energy in your body of like, but I, but I can't, but I can't. Like, it's like you can't put down a game you haven't won yet, but there's this lingering insight that tells you inside, this is who this person is. Like, this is who this person is. So I just want to blow on that ember in your mind's eye and just allow it to form more concretely if this is resonating. And I want to invite you to just see this person for who they are and ask yourself, am I okay with that? Just as they are not struggling to push them into a mold of who I want them to be, but instead exactly as they are. Are you okay with that? And I just want you to journal about that. Can you live with that? And can you learn to love that person and accept them unconditionally? And I think the answer will be confrontational because it is very, very hard to love someone unconditionally. Even, I mean, not your child, but like in a relationship, it's pretty challenging because even if you made a promise to do that, like it it brings up a lot of things that 
you might have told yourself, I will never compromise on this front or I deserve X, Y, Z. And at the end of the day, your answer to this question might be different than you expect it to be. And oftentimes our actions show us our truth more than our own words do. And we might be battling with our words or our actions. Um, And I will say like, yes, there are unmet needs that become excruciating over a long period of time. And if it, if it's something about dysfunction that is, could potentially take you down with it, I think that's an exception to this. Like I'm, I would definitely, even if your body and your emotions feel like they cannot tolerate confronting that, it's like we should not do, be in any relationship that is destroying us no matter what. That's my opinion. Um, but I want you to just have this reflection with yourself over a long period of time and have it openly with yourself. Like allow yourself to talk about it and say all the things, just you on you. And I think this is just how we begin to move through accepting the truth of who somebody is. It's kind of like letting go of a dream of some other reality and like really welcoming genuine acceptance. And as you do this process, I just want to remind you that there is no correct definition of what a relationship should be like barring abuse barring dysfunction that is destroying you and actively harming you eroding your person the way a couple is arranged and the way a relationship plays out can be whatever you deem it to be so don't refer to archetypes or culture or parents or friends for this definition only you know the answer to this for yourself and I think that's like a hard that's another hard part of it is like so we're so impressionable when it comes to like what a relationship should be so our parents opinion our friends opinion can be so powerful can influence us so much that we start to talk for them and feel like I should be getting blank or they should be doing blank but it's like if there's no such thing as correct at the end of the day it's this person and it's this person can you live with that it's a it's a different way to think about things All right, the next tool is called leave the room ethically. So this is for fights or moments when feelings need to be aired or hard conversations need to be had. And I think it's just a good rule of thumb. If you are going to have a conversation the way you have that conversation, do it in an ethical way. And by that, I mean like, is it kind to explode and dump all of your feelings on somebody? Is it kind to... Um, have a conversation when a person is about to have a very important meeting or is it kind to surprise a person without any former feedback about an issue? I mean, it's just like the way you think about like anything in a professional sphere. Apply those notes to yourself in your relationship and I think it will change the potency of an emotional unmet need that quote needs to be voiced in a specific way it's like if we can feel mature and in control of our own behavior on this level I think it changes the rules of conduct in the relationship as well and it creates an atmosphere of mutual respect and so it's like your behavior very much encodes the behavior the other person will give back to you it's like 
oh, oh, this is how we are. This is how we are performing now. I get it. Okay, me too. All right, the next tool is a lens shift. And it's for calling it when partners bite. I think, I mean, I've said this a million times, but like really want you to know with all certainty, it is not about you. It is coming from unmet needs, personal unhappiness, sometimes chronic physical pain, depression. A lot of the time a person doesn't even know where their pain is coming from or where their feelings are coming from. But it is often a person just looking for a place to channel the energy and vent it outwards. And a lot of the time, the feeling inside of them, they're looking for a place to validate it in the external world. And like they could be really insecure because of something that happened at work or they could be really just feeling vulnerable and and hating themselves for feeling vulnerable because of like childhood experiences whatever so when that person is just being for no reason really mean and bitey it's most often the partner that receives that because it's like this is the closest mirror to ourselves via this intimate connection so if it's a feeling that is for that person amorphous like has no real source like I don't know why I feel this way but I'm just angry or the feelings represent something that is too difficult to confront like I'm resentful at you for your happiness that's like something that I wouldn't you know we don't know how to tell another person then because we shouldn't tell the other person because that we don't want to have that feeling so it's like in in situations like this it's an incurable feeling so a red herring so what people often do is they try and engage another person with a fight and they're trying to validate the feeling. They're trying to ground the feeling. And this is where that person will gain relief and feel um, like they're in control of that feeling because it has an outward cause. And so if you're finding that your partner is doing things like starting a fight for no fucking reason or venting, you know, ang- animosity in like poking little ways just remember it's not about me it's not about me and the the best thing we can do is the next tool which is called air divider and by that I mean I just want you to visualize like you have a piece of plexiglass and you're keeping the air separate like it's not about you so the best thing we can possibly do is just not take it personally and keep the air around us clean and separated that's why I'm such a huge fan of Al-Anon. I think Al-Anon is like, yes, it's for family members of alcoholics and it is for codependents, but it, it is also just helpful to any person to remind themselves of ways to not take another person's feelings or problems personally. So anyway, in this air divider, I just want you to continue to say this mantra to yourself. I am so sorry for your pain and dysfunction. I'm so sorry for your pain and dysfunction. It's not about you and like, oh, I'm so sorry for you in this problem that you're having, in this pain that you're stuck in. It doesn't belong to me. I'm so sorry you have this pain. You don't have to say that to that person, but that's energetically where you can stay safe. And most importantly, don't latch on. Don't engage. That's what the pain wants is a landing spot, a vent for you to take it on, for you to continue to perpetuate it so that they can feel it's real. It's you. It's this. Don't receive it. It's not about you. Next tool is called unknown sender. When we are in relationship issues, I've already kind of touched upon this idea, but like 
I think a lot of the time we cannot voice feelings because they don't make sense to us. They're too oversimplified. They're too cruel. They are too primitive, immature, oversimplified. They're not appropriate to voice. And so therefore we we feel like we can't channel that feeling into anything functional or positive. And so for those situations, I want you to more than anything, this tool is just for you to think on a past situation when that has occurred in yourself. Just become aware and open to that truth being in you and in your own life experience and have compassion for it. And the reason to do that, to invite that truth forth, is we can see ourselves in the feeling and we can also see how we mismanage that feeling. Because usually that's when defensiveness comes up um we start to bite back we we deflect with something that feels like a lie or feels like we're placing blame and if this isn't resonating for you maybe you can think on a time that our partner has done it either way I invite you to journal or ideate on this experience in your own life and and think about what could be in a more appropriate avenue to deal with this feeling? Like, is there a better way for me to react to this in myself? I'm going to give you like a suggestion, which might feel terrifying. Owning it and saying like, I'm having weird feelings and they don't really make sense. And the reason that is a terrifying suggestion is because it immediately makes you vulnerable and immediately can trigger feelings of guilt or there's something wrong with me, which in relationships is really, really hard to do. It feels so dangerous and so like in opposition to what's in our body, which is like protect, protect, protect. This doesn't make sense. What do I do? And if we can start to think about more humane ways of behaving in situations when we are the kind of like most primitive or low, we can create new desired outcomes that create new health in the ecosystem of our relationship. It's like it creates new air. So if you think about the oak seed that is your entire life with this other person, all of that, all in this oak seed is everything is contained in how we choose to grow ourselves like the future and the breadth and the scale and the beauty of this relationship is contained in just those little tweaks of like our goal for how we conduct ourselves I hope that made sense all right the next tool is a journal entry and it's called a letter from my other self all things are true for for us and for our partners at different times and on different days. We can feel completely opposite feelings depending on the conditions of a day to the next day. And I just want you to be aware of that fact and also allow those two people to have a conversation and to coexist. We all have ranges of feelings in our life and, and in our relationship. So just know that there is an opposite feeling you may have around something at a different time or day and be able to see that the truth is somewhere in the middle. So this tool is basically when you're having a very 
big feeling about something. Let's say it's an unmet need, uh, something that you do not think is solvable. Write it out. Feel safe enough to write it out and express it all in your journal. And then on a different day, look at that and respond to that self about the opposite side of it and continue that dialogue. And I think this is just a way for us to kind of grasp and hold on to rational reality, something that we we don't have access to when we are overtaken by the old unmet needs of our love map. All right, the next tool is called objective badness. <laughs> I mean, I think there's like, you know, there's definitely something something to be said for objectively bad in a relationship. But what we would call bad is also variable and only you can decide what is not enough for you. So the idea that you could discern this from other people of what you should take and what you should not take is fictional. And we have to be, we have to allow ourselves to decide that for ourselves. You know, different cultures allow different things and different behavior is seen as appropriate and not appropriate. And we have to be allowed to talk and express ourselves and express our needs. So know that you should never not be allowed to do that. You should never not be allowed to express your needs and emotions. So if you feel like you have to stop doing that, check that at the door. It shouldn't be about if, it should be about how and when. So I think net-net, have a goal of doing no harm, including to yourself, and have a goal in mind for yourself, but also have an idea of how this affects the other person and whether or not it is functional or destructive. And also have conversations about what is functional and destructive to each person. Because if it is functional or destructive, like let's say it's like not objectively bad, but for your person it is very toxic. Have that conversation and see if the other person can meet that need in that circumstance. I think both people can give those types of gifts to one another or make those changes for one another. Everything is a negotiation. All right, next tool, a simple twist of fate. This is just like a little bit of a a keep in mind. If you are feeling like, I don't know, if we, we we can get into these states of feeling like we're blaming or looking down on another person or looking down on ourselves or defining a power structure in a relationship and feeling like it's imbalanced. And I think we all have the capacity to get to rock bottom, rock rock bottom, depending on our cards. So just never forget that. If you feel anger towards a partner or blame them for where they're at, just leave room in your outlook for change. And it doesn't mean that I'm saying like, expect it, rely on it, but as soon as we start to feel like, oh, this person is this way forever. This person is broken. This person is blank. That is all we will ever see. So just if you have that feeling, like step back from that and remind yourself the cards make a huge impact on a person's life. The outside circumstances, the things that come in and change us, they have a huge impact. Always leave room in your, in your mind and your heart for change. And the next tool, an oldie but a goodie, first things first. 
Never forget that hormones and loneliness create the world we see. And if one of those things is out of order, check that first and make sure we are addressing all of our basic needs before we start any major conversations, any make any major changes. And if you haven't slept in a long time, that's probably a very big factor in any conflict that's occurring. That's just one example. Next tool, what a difference a day makes. Um, this is a journal assignment, especially if you are in a state of ambivalence and you're feeling very strongly in a negative direction or very angry and in a victim state. Uh, whatever you're doing, just take a day. Take a day and see how different you feel. And I think setting that intention, like let the anger and the vitriol come out in the journal and then invite yourself to see the opposite and welcome the opposite truths to come forth and just see how, how you feel the next day. That's it. All right, the next tool, um, amends or homework. So I think it's really nice to have something that we are working on in our emotional fabric all the time. You know, even things that we think are a part of who we are. Like if you are, you know, I don't know why, but I, I feel like I refer to the book Lean In all the time. It's not like a book I'm passionate about in any way, but this is, I think, a chapter in Lean In about um, accountability and like she asks her team to give her constructive feedback. But I'm asking you to do that for yourself in your relationship. Like welcome into yourself things that you are going to work on in th like areas that hurt your partner like amends make amends in the form of working on things that have come from a place of pain or desperation and somewhat related the last tool um not all bad so this is like I think more of a like a lens shift if you are if you have received lots of feedback about yourself from a partner, take it all in and then also notice what is true for you. Like what landed? What rang a little bell of like, oh yeah, I do do that. If someone has voiced their issues, know exactly what is not true. Know exactly what you're going to not pay attention to and not hold on to. But I think... You know, yes, we all project. That is how humans work. But if there's stuff that does feel true that you can work on, take that as a gift and an opportunity for growth and change in the oak seed. Like we can and do grow out of our old baggage, especially after what I just learned is called the Saturn return. <laughs> I was listening to a um, Rick Rubin podcast episode. Anyway, the Saturn return, which is our, our big moment of path reckoning that defines our our true calling and our, I, I guess it occurs in 20s and 30s, early 20s to early 30s. I think that's a cool name, but I also think it's true. It's like when we're in that stage of life, we have like a major shift where we really see something about what it is we want in our adult lives. And we, we kind of reset our priorities. And so I think past that stage of the Saturn return, uh, a lot more growth is possible that formerly feels like it should forever stay installed in our person for self-protection. So 
when we have those things that our partner delivers and we're like, oh yeah, that does feel true. Like welcome that in because now at this point in your life, that growth is definitely possible and it can feel good to deliberately move into it of, and now I am growing myself in this more weird, mature, vulnerable, conscious way. So those are my tools. I hope they are helpful. Uh, Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Emily and Lorna. Thank you so much for supporting my work. Anyone who has the means, donations very much help out the show. You can head to yaywithme.com or find me on Patreon. Thank you to all of my patrons on Patreon, by the way, and via the website. If you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could share it with someone who needs it, that would help me as well. And in closing, when you are in a relationship that you know is safe, meaning like the other person's not destructive to you, you are both well-meaning, functioning adults. I think a lot of these issues are really just that process of acceptance, letting go of what we think they should be. And it's, yes, it's a stage of loss, a mourning, but also growth opportunity. It's not an easy task to stay with a partner over the course of a lifetime. So don't feel bad if that is very challenging. But much of what a relationship allows us to learn is how to love unconditionally on a deeper level. And this experience matures us. It deepens us. It makes us into more evolved people. And we start to shed like some of the more childlike wound-based needs, like needs in quotes that we grew up with that we feel like we can't put down until now. So just see this process of approaching all of these challenges, all of these vulnerable stages as a gift in disguise. And think of yourself like truly know you are a loving person and, and your truest goal is to come from an accountable, loving, responsible place. And that will be a gift to your partner and, and yourself, but also to your relationship and its its strength and know that change is always happening whether we can see it or not it's always 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 happening so eye on the prize you're in motion look where you want to go and i send you my love smile the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.